0: So we're out of here get, but uh, appreciate appreciate those words and those thoughts and just focusing us in on the, the meaning of life. Uh, good to see you all this morning. you know uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite artists i want to give you a little background on how he became my favorite artist when i was i 'm going to guess 13, 14 years old, uh, my dad bought a car now. I don't remember us buying one new car when I was growing up. This was not a new car; it was a used car. And see, we uh, at the time we lived in California, and my dad, and mom are here by the way, they're on the back on the back row there. And so uh, I would tell this. I obviously am going to tell the stories on them even in front of them. But uh, so so we we would travel every other year from wherever we lived to Florida, which is where my grandparents, my mother's parents live. And and at the time we lived in California, so it was a pretty good trip from California to Florida and back. And so that year, for whatever reason, Dad decided that before we took that tree trip, we needed a a new car. So he bought it as, an, as I remember, as an old Ford station wagon. Remember the big station wagon with the with the fake wood sides, and I think it might have even had one of those fold up seats that went backwards that I could never sit in because I get motion sickness. And so he bought this this uh, this car, and it had it wasn't a new car; it was a used car, but it had in it one of those newfangled contraptions called an 8-track player. Remember that? And uh, the only problem is my dad's cheap. So so we saw the player, but he wasn't about to put out the money to buy an 8-track. So somewhere in the process, we're cleaning out the car, getting ready for the trip, and, you know, so the, the checked the glove box and found in the glove box an 8-track tape of Johnny Cash. And so all the way from California to Florida, and Florida and back... We listen to Johnny Cash. Well, you know how that go with, went with uh, eight tracks. How high is the water, mama? Two feet high, and click, 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 rising. So that, you know, you see, if you, you, uh, who, you young people, you have no idea what we're talking about. But uh, so, so anyway, and in that process, he, he became uh, one of my favorite artists and, and uh, always has been since. A while back, I bought one of those things we had a whole history of all, a bunch of his songs together. And so I really enjoy him. Uh you know, Johnny Cash was a man who had uh, new, new true, tremendous swings in life. If you know anything about him, he, he knew what poverty was about. He knew what wealth was about. He, he, he knew uh, what it was like to be on the top of the game. He knew what it was like to be at the very bottom. He, he knew what it was like to be on the outside of the bars and on the inside of the bars. Uh, uh, he knew what it was like to walk with God. He, he knew what it was like to walk away from God. And, and I want us to watch a clip. This, If I have my information correct, this is the very last song he recorded. And in it, he is sharing his testimony. Uh, this, most of this is videotaped in his home, which would burn down so, so shortly after his, uh, his death. And and the song is called. And here's what's interesting because when at at the end of as at, at the end of his life, most of us would have said, you know, he's one of those guys that has it all. You know, he's got he's got the wealth, he's got the fame, he's got the, all, all the accolades. He's he's uh, he's at the top of the world. And yet, you're going to hear him sing a song where he shares his perspective on life, and particularly his life. And the title of the song is Hurt. One disclaimer, there is a biblical term in this song that's not
1: used in a biblical context. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain and you Fine.
0: Typically, Father, as we move through this day, the last day of the year, some reflection takes place. We we re- regroup, we revisit successes and failures, good decisions, bad decisions. We really play the t- tape of our life, much like Johnny Cash did here and... and We ask some powerful questions. We're going to visit this morning a passage of Scripture where the Israelites were right at that moment. They were at that turning point, that opportunity to press the restart button and begin again. Guide us as we look at this passage today, together the Scripture. There's a message for each of us as we turn this corner in these next few hours. Uh, through your word, so speak to our hearts. We pray these things in your son's name, Amen. Listen to that song, and, and just you hear—you hear so much. You hear the the regrets. You see the trophies and and the uh, signs of his wealth all around him, which he calls the empire of dirt. A pretty powerful, powerful message in that song. And you know, this is uh, kind of what we do, isn't it? Today, we we. We reflect, we think back, we revisit, we uh, we have some regrets, probably all of us. There are those things that we did, those decisions we made, uh, those words that we spoke where we, we look and say, ah, oh, I wish I hadn't, wish I sh- shouldn't have, whatever. There are good things. There are things that you look back and say, I'm so glad I got to be a part of that. I'm so glad I had that opportunity. I'm so glad that happened in my life. Uh, Some of you had one of those years where you just said, man, it was just, everything came together and it was a great year. And so you're going to look back on 2017 as as, uh, just a remarkable time. Some of you are, you're, you're here, you're saying, I'm so glad to see that year go, you know. 18 has to be better. Yeah, I've heard those kind of statements. Uh, I've made them a time or two uh, over over the years. And and so it's important for us to, as we're at this moment, to bring God into the picture. And and it's really interesting because the passage we're going to spend some time in the next two weeks, uh, the Israelites are at that point. They have spent 40 years now in the wilderness literally in the wilderness, but also in, a, in the wilderness of the life and the things that they've walked through. And, and they were there, they knew, because of decisions they made as a nation. They had an opportunity. God brought them right up to the point where he was going to move them into the promised land. And they had the opportunity. It was, it was just feet away. Uh, if you've been to the Jordan River, you know, it was not, there was not... It was just feet away. They could see the other side. And yet, in that moment, they decided not to trust God and his plan and, and move their own direction. And so now, 40 years they have been in a wilderness time. And so, at this moment now, they come back and, and, and they're again at that same point where they're, they're, at the op, they're at the place where they get to push that restart button again. They're just ready now. This new generation is ready to step forward and, and experience what God wanted them to experience all those decades before. And so they're at that point now. And and right before that happens, Moses hits pause and and has a, a, a conversation with them. And remember, Moses is a prophet of God. He, In other words, he speaks to these people on behalf of God. God has given him some words to give them. So turn with me if you... Have your Bibles or in your devices to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. We're not going to look at all those verses this morning. We're going to focus in, especially on verse 2, uh, spend a little time on verse 1, but but I want you to see the whole passage here. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting with verse 1 down through verse 5. Be careful to follow everything command every command I'm giving you today so that You may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known and to teach you that a man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And so Moses moves into this discussion, speaking for God. He says, all right, before we step back out, before we move forward, before we move into a new year, or for them into this promised land that was in, in front of them where, where God was going to give them this land. Before we do that, let's pause and let's make sure that we're starting off on the right foot. And so that's, that's kind of the, the heart behind as we talk through this together this morning. As we think about this, is within a few hours we're going to watch that clock turn over and, and we're going to celebrate the beginning of a new year a new year full of all kinds of hopes and 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 maybe some goals that you have and i have and 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 we we say goodbye to the past year with all if there's regrets with those regrets and all of us have some regrets we all have those moments those conversations that we say i wish i wouldn't have said that uh, uh, we have those opportunities where we say ah that was such a cool thing and such a great thing to be a part of we all that's all part of the mixture of of our previous year but we're at that new starting point. And so Moses says, all right, before we do this, let's begin. Let's refocus. Let's be, make sure we begin on, on the right track. And so he starts into this conversation. And, and then as he gets into verse 2, he, he starts with, uh, remember how. And here's the, here's the interesting thing. You know, I know, if you know anything about this, and we've already said it, the reason they walk through that wilderness time, that hard time, was because of their choices, decisions they had made, wrong decisions, ungodly decisions, and that had put them in a hard place. But here's what is so cool, and maybe you've been through one of those years, and maybe as you look past, back to this past year, some of the things you walked through had, had nothing to do with your own choices, But but maybe as you look back, you're saying a lot of them did. I went through that hard experience because I did this, I decided this, I said this, and And so as you regroup, but here's what is so cool about this message is the first, as as Moses starts into it, what he's going to say is, in the midst of that time, and and you know what happens in those kind of seasons when, when we're in the tough ones, is often, even though it's not the case, we often feel like God has abandoned us. Now, if you've been a believer for a long time, you know in your head that's not true. But in your heart, you really do feel abandoned and so so Moses as he begins this conversation he says, here's the first thing I want you to know in the midst of that wilderness time I want you to recognize that the Lord God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years remember the Lord your God Remember him. So he had never abandoned them. He was always there, every step of the way. In fact, he gives illustrations as he walks down through verses 3 and 4 and 5. He says, remember, remember how you needed food. God, God allowed you to get hungry. He allowed that to take place so that he could show you that he provides. And, and you've had those kinds of experiences, haven't you? You've had those moments where maybe it wasn't hunger, maybe it was. And, and yes, God allowed you to step into that time that framework that scenario that situation but but you know so often our 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 perspective is you know he he's doing something bad for me but he's saying no he allowed you because he wanted to show you how he could provide and and some of you had the opportunity to see that take place where where God stepped in right at the right moment and and you and you look back and you say man that was Such an unexpected blessing. So he says, remember, God didn't abandon you. In fact, if you remember, he he led them. Every day they'd wake up, and there, here was this cloud, this representation of God in their presence, and, and the cloud led them. Even though they were in that wilderness because of their decisions, every day God showed his presence by leading them as they wandered in the wilderness and taking care of them. And then at night, there would be this pillar of fire that, where God really protected me, remind, you're not abandoned. Even though your decisions put you here, I have not abandoned you. I'm right there with you. Each step of the way, remember Him. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way to the desert these forty years. But here's where I want us to focus, because I love as as you know, as you walk through those experiences. So often, our our perspective is, uh, you know, where are you, God? Where are you in the midst of this? And and so Moses. Goes on, he says, God was with you, but here's what I want you to understand. Even even though your decisions put you in the place you were in, God used every one of those experiences because there were things that he was trying to teach you. Here's the why of of what you walked through and why you walked through it. Uh, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart? One of my favorite stories in in the Bible is in the Old Testament. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? I love that story. I, I, there's a lot of reasons, uh, the dynamics, uh, uh, just some interesting, certainly some interesting fam- family things. You, you, just as a reminder, remember uh, Joseph was was the youngest brother of, of uh, what was it, 12 other brothers at the time? Or was it 11 brothers? Some, I always mix that up. But he was the youngest and, and was obviously the favorite. Unfortunately, Dad... Wasn't very wise about that. He made it, every, all the older brothers knew that Joseph was the favorite. And, and unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, Joseph wasn't too wise about how he dealt with that either sometimes. Uh, you remember his dreams? He had a couple of those dreams and, and uh, you know, felt, felt inclined to tell his brothers that I've had this dream. And guess what? Someday you're going to bow down before me. As like, I'm your master. And, and even Joseph's dad said, that, that that's probably not too smart of a thing to do, Joseph. And so there were some, and, and, and you know, and I got to tell you, I being an older brother, I, I kind of feel for the older brothers a little bit. I I relate to some of that kind of stuff. I I can understand, and, and I've shared a few stories of uh, how I treated my younger brothers. And so I understand wanting to beat on them a little bit. I, I get that. But if you remember, things got really out of hand as... Uh, Joseph's older brothers went far beyond. In fact, they were going to kill him, and, and I believe God intervened and protected him. And they sold him into slavery. And you know the story. He, he gets, he gets, he ends up in, in uh, Egypt. He gets bought by this man named Potiphar, and in spite of his circumstances, which were not good, he's a slave. Uh, he, at one point, he was free. Now he's a slave. But in spite of those circumstances, he li- he he rises to the occasion and. Soon, Potiphar trusts him with everything, and but then you know what happens. Lies come in. He he's accused of things he did not do, and suddenly he finds himself in jail. And then in jail, same thing. He, he instead of uh, of uh, of just of uh, shaking a fist at God, of, of sinking into discouragement. He just he rises to the occasion, and pretty soon the the head of the jail trusts him with everything, even the keys to the jail. And and then this occasion, this opportunity arises, and and I got to look at that from Joseph's vantage point is, as as he you know the cupbearer and the baker come to him, and they both have these dreams, and and uh, so they come and, and he, they tell the dreams, and he and he points, and he says God can interpret them, and and he gives this baker this wonderful news that uh, yeah you're going to die in a few days, uh, you're going to lose your head. Uh, and then he tells the cupmaker that he's actually going to be restored to his position. And remember, he says to the cupmaker, when that happens, please remember me. I'm, I'm an innocent man. I shouldn't be here. And, and so then it, things happen. Just like he said, the cupmaker goes, and I'm sure as, as he sees the cupmaker get out and head back towards the house of Pharaoh, I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks I'll be out of here. And yet two more years go by. And then God, in, in his design for Joseph's life, you remember, through a series of things pretty soon, Joseph finds himself in this powerful position. Second, second most powerful man really in the world at that particular time, as, as Egypt was a, was a ruling, dominating power in the world. And, and Joseph gets his power position, and then he, one day, here's his brothers in front of him. And when they find out who he is, they're, they're certain their lives are over because he has the power of life and death. And they know what they did to Joseph. And they're certain this is it. We're done. And, and I just love this perspective. This is one of those verses that, in my life and, and on, that I come back to on, on so many times where Joseph, as, as they're shaking and trembling before him, and he says to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for your good to accomplish what is now being done in the saving of lives. This perspective that, here it is, you know, and, and, and we make decisions sometimes that we know are ungodly decisions. And, and maybe at the time we don't. Maybe we just we forget to bring God into the picture. But, but, there, but as time goes on, we recognize, oh, I should not have done that. That is not the direction God would want me to go. and, and Or maybe Satan deceives us, which he does. And, and so, and, but in the mix of that, this reminder that what, what Satan means for evil, or even what my own decisions take me into, that God, if I will allow him to, God will redeem those decisions. <clears throat> exactly as he had done in, in this situation. So he says, Moses says, God allowed you in this time in this wilderness, God has been the whole time he's been working, in it. and particularly in these two areas, he says, in this time, he has tested your hearts, and he's allowed you to go through this to humble you and to test where your heart is. You know, uh, before I get there, uh, we, the men study. It's interesting that how these things interlock so many times, but uh, as we've been studying Philippians... Uh, with uh, Ch- Matt Chandler's in the video-driven message, one of the things we focused on just recently was how significant, how important was, humility was to our walk. And, and, uh, See, I remember uh, uh, Charles Swindoll is one of my favorite pastors, and I remember one message he preached years ago, and, and I just love the message he talked about. He said that uh, it was just this, about this time of year. It was a, a new year and in, in, in Christmas time area, and so this, the church of, in this, the, where this pastor preached, they got together, and they got him a gift, and they had it all wrapped up. And So he unwrapped it, and he pulled it out, and what it was was it was a button with a, a message on it, and, and the button said, to the most humble pastor in the whole world. And and so then he uh, accepted and thanked them for it. And next Sunday they took it away from him because he actually wore it. So uh, that you know, that's <laughs> dangerous place to be. So so he says, remember one of the things that God was trying to do is is to humble your heart. And I love this. Uh, you may not know. You may you probably some of you probably heard of Jonathan Edwards, a, a New England pastor f- uh, from generations ago. Uh, godly man, very familiar with. Ups and downs of life, for sure. Even in his ministry, just. uh, uh, But he he he, this is one of his quotes: the best protection one can have from the devil and his schemes is a humble heart. And and so I, I this is interesting. This is a primary thing. God, as Moses is talking to his people, he says one of the primary things that God wanted you to grasp to to learn in the process of this of this wilderness time was humility. I investigated that word a little bit, did a little bit of a word study on it, and, and there are some interesting things came up. Here's some of the words. Humility keeps us, and this is one of the quotes, humility keeps us reliant, dependent, and clutching. Now, that's one of those quotes that we read and and says, ah, oh, that's a pretty good quote. But then when you start thinking about it, at least when I started thinking about it, Think about those words. It keeps us reliant, dependent, and clutching. From a human perspective, especially our culture perspective, those are about the worst words that we ever want to hear. Isn't in this true? Don't we say to ourselves, I don't want to be reliant on anyone else. I, you know, we're, we're anti-reliant. In fact, you know, I want to be self-reliant. Uh, I can remember as a young man so many times, you know, my wife would say, you know, well, why don't you ask so-and-so to help you? I'm not, I can do it. We we're teasing my dad, uh, my, the big joke right now is my dad, you know, he's, he, I, I feel like he's in great shape for, for his age, and, uh, but he has a hard time getting the coat over the left arm, and, and my mom has offered to help him at times, and he'll say, I can do it, and so now it's a joke, you know, I can do it, and, uh, but what he's really saying is, yeah, give me a hand here, you know, but we're, we're self reliance is our, is our, you know, we want to be self-reliant, we're that's our goal, and and so and and to have be told, well, you know, we need to we need to learn reliance. No, I don't want to be reliant. I I want to be self reliant. I I want to be confident that I can handle what needs to be handled. You know, uh, humility keeps us dependent. Don't we work? You know, we 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 passionately work as parents for eighteen to twenty years trying to get our kids to be independent you know we're hoping that they figure it out and and they move out that's our plan you're gonna move out you're gonna be independent you know so you aren't that relying on me anymore and so so we're seeing this and then clutching you know uh uh, my wife knows this so I'm not speaking out of out of turn here but uh I I worked at a lot of summer camps and and so when I was a teenager and when I was young, and and I had a reputation for having a girlfriend at every camp. That was just the way it went. But I'll tell you the thing that would right away would, would end that is if they got too clutchy, you know. Uh, and when I met my wife, Irish that she is, clutchy was not one of the things she was, you know. It was, she made it very clear, you you can, you know, we, we can date and it'll be fine, but... Handle this wrong, and there's the door. That's just the you know. So so I and I kind of like that. It's like all right. So we don't we don't look at those terms and say, man, those are positive things that I want to learn. Because and and here's the reality in 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 the relation to fellow humans. Yeah, I don't we ought to need to be careful about getting too reliant, too dependent, too clutchy to fellow humans. Because the, the reality is, I don't care how much they love you there will be times they're going to, to uh, disappoint you. That's just the reality. You, any of you who have been married, if you've only been married even a number of months, you've already experienced that. It's not that they don't love you, but they're humans. And so, so when you look at those words and, and you apply them to those relationships, those horizontal relationships, that, that's not maybe not uh, what we want to do. But here's where Moses is applying this. He's saying, in that relationship with God... The strongest place you and I can ever be is to be reliant, dependent, clutching onto God. And so he says to the Israelites, that period of time when it felt like you were out there in this place and I wasn't there, I was. And I was in teaching you this very important lesson humility, that you would humbly place yourself in my hands, that you would rely and depend and clutch on to me. You know, people accuse us as Christians that, well, you, your thing, you need God because you need a crutch. You are exactly right. Admittedly, I need that crutch. I am not good on my own. I need God. And that's, so he wanted those people to recognize that. Remember their, par- their parents, 40 years prior to this, their problem was they were reliant, independent, and clutched onto themselves. And so when they came up to the border of this promise that God had for them, they looked over there, and they looked at the battles ahead of them, and they were absolutely, because they were self-reliant, they were absolutely convinced, and they were absolutely right, by the way, that they could not fight those battles. And they were right, they couldn't. But if they understood their God and they were relying on Him, they would know He could. And He would. Because He would promised to. And then he, secondly, He says, it is to uh, check your heart. You know, in the Word of God and, and in life, and, and there are lots of in-betweens, but it seems like, you know, it, it, times of blessing and times of hardship are are really always heart checks. Let me, and let me just say that. You know, if if you... You're moving into 2018. If God, for whatever reason, and I'm, thinking, I'm speaking in human terms here because, you know, God's perspective is whatever he allows to come in our life is for our blessing. It's a blessing. It's for our good. We don't always see it that way. So let's speak in ter- human terms there. There are certain things we look at and say, well, that's a blessing, and we say, well, that's hardship. and And... and So so I'm going to speak in those terms. So let's say, God, you move into 2018, and God allows you to step into a time of tremendous blessing from a human perspective. Just let me tell you, matter-of-factly, no hesitation, watch out. You are in a time of testing. Because those times are tremendous times of testing. What do they test? Well, one is they test our reliance on God. Because, you know, especially if it's some kind of monetary blessing... Very swiftly, very quickly, what happens is we slip into this. Okay, God, well, I, I don't really need you right now because I got what I need in my bank account. So I'll call you when I need you. Or we become arrogant. You know, At times of blessing brings arrogance. The reason I'm getting blessed is because I'm a little smarter than everybody else. You know, if they would just listen to me and do it my way, then and then they would get these. They would have the things happen to them that way as well. And so we become arrogant. We forget that. That even if we even if we did make smart decisions, it's because God allowed us to have a brain smart enough to do that. Uh, times of hardship can do the exact same thing. It's a it's another test. You know, even strong believers, you know, I, I I've watched myself to go into a tremendous hardship and how quickly, disappointingly, how quickly I shake my fist at God. And yet, God, is, as He's saying to these people, says, No, I'm there. And I, and I got it covered. Trust me. So He said, I allowed you to go through this time. And, and you know, they had both. They, they had, you know, yeah, they had the hunger, and then they had manna from heaven. God fed them every day. They'd wake up and they had the food they needed. No, no going out. No, you know, it was right there. And all those things were tests of the heart and as you and I say goodbye to 2017 and hello to 2018 we're going to walk through those times and if we have a perspective if if we have this perspective of you know God I want to respond to each of them in a way that pleases you then then this humility, this testing of a heart will always, will see the benefit. You know, I love it. And, and, and here's, a, and just let me say this as a reminder. Uh, one of the books I've encouraged you to read, uh, I don't even know if it's in print anymore. Lots of times I encourage you to read books. That's what happens. They're out of print. But Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. And, and I just love this statement. He said, when God moves you towards something or to do something, if it's from God, it'll always be God-sized. It'll be bigger than you. And it'll be bigger than me. And, and he's going to do that for us as True North. There are going to be things he's going to ask us to do in the days ahead that are bigger than us and they're going to be God-sized. And We're going to have an opportunity to say, okay, God, we're convinced this is where we're supposed to go and, and we trust you and you'll take care of us. We know you'll take care of us. Remember that guy... Uh, in the Bible that we studied a while back, that had the barns and, and all this great harvest, and uh, would have been a humanly speaking a time, a tremendous blessing. And his problem, as you see in that verse, was it wasn't that God chose for him to have that blessing. His problem was that he didn't bring God into the equation. Just said, okay, this is for me. I'll build bigger barns. And I'll set myself up so that as things move forward, uh, I can have an easy life. I can eat, drink, and be merry. So God may bring you into some of these tests. It may be blessing, it may be hardship. In fact, I can guarantee you, you're going to all of us going to walk through some of these and those would be those moments when we get to find out if we're clutching on to God or not. If we're, as Paul said to, in Philippians, are you pressing towards what you've been called to do in Jesus Christ? I read an article this past week, Just uh, and some of you, uh, you know, I asked my grandsons, uh, I said, uh, uh, so what do you know about Johnny Erickson Tata? And he says, absolutely nothing. I've never heard that name before. And so some of you know. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, as an 18-year-old, actually out near where we used to live in Maryland, Chesapeake Bay, she's out with her sister swimming, and she dives off of a platform into the Chesapeake Bay, thinking the water is deep, and it was much shallower than she thought tide had gone out. And she broke her neck, and she's been a quadriplegic now for over 40 years. Uh, and early on, there was some, uh, I mean, she she had begged God to kill her. She begged one of her friends. She said, please kill me. I don't want to go through life this way. And, and God moved her past that, and, and then she... Uh, she prayed for healing. She went to faith healers and she, she tells them of her experience. So, and and but God didn't choose to do that and and then there was a point where she just was really wrestling through this and a good a good friend of hers came and 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 he said to her this really powerful statement. He says, Johnny, God will allow what he hates to accomplish what he loves. You may walk through some things this year that you're saying, "Oh, this is, this is so hard, and, and I want you to know, God doesn't love to see his children suffer. He hates that, but He allows it to accomplish what He loves. You're moving into New Year, I'm moving into New Year. It's a good point to stop and pause and say, okay, as we press the restart button, is my heart, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to serve you. I want to rely on you. I want to depend on you. I want to clutch you. Because nothing else out there that the world has to offer comes anywhere close, even close, to what you can accomplish and what you have in planned for me if I'll trust you in the days ahead. Now some of you need to push the start button. Maybe none in this room, I don't know, but you've never even started. You, God's telling you he wants you to be his child, his family. He wants to take the thing that has separated, that has broken his, your relationship with him, the sin in your life, like he did with me, the sin of my life. And he wants to, as a gift, totally, completely forgive it. Past, present, future. And in that moment, if you'll accept that gift of forgiveness, it's the start button. Because that very moment, you become his child. And he promises you, from that moment on, he will never leave you or forsake you, ever. For eternity, not even just the life. So, Today's the day you might need to press the start button. Accept that gift of forgiveness and begin that new life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for these reminders that we need desperately. Folks in this room, some have walked through a hard, painful past year. Some have walked through just an amazing year there. They're looking back and saying, this is a wonderful year, and and everything in between. But in the midst of all of that, Lord, and in the midst of what's to come in the year ahead, give us this tender heart that relies, that depends, that clutches to you. And may whatever we face, whatever decision, whatever direction, whatever opportunity we face, to be branded into our heart, I want to do, God, what pleases you in this moment and whatever comes in the days ahead. And those God-sized experiences that you're going to give us opportunity to be a part of, in those moments, and every moment, help us to trust you
1: because you know what's best. We pray these things in your son's name.